perfection is very fluid. Mm-hmm. It does not mean the same thing to everybody and from every perspective. Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. I'm Kim Skorupski, your host, and I am looking at one of our frequent flyers. It's a little reunion episode with Dr. Rashmi Vyas. Rashmi, good morning. Good morning, Kim. Pleasure to be here with you today. Well, if you're new to the Faculty Factory Podcast, you're definitely going to want to slide up to episode number 88 back in September of 2020, where Dr. Vias talked about you deserve a seat at the table. And before we get started, Rashmi is, well, first of all, Dr. Vias, you're one of these uh, amazing people who have lots of alphabet soup after your name. You're so uh, impressive. And I remember that uh, you, you have, you're found at the Foundation for Advancement of International Medical Education and Research, FAMER. And you are a senior associate there and are going to talk to us today about change and change is here to stay. So we are really curious. I'm dying to know how you and your office and your life withstood, changed, pivoted, was resilient. How did this occur to you? How did all of 2020 happen for Dr. Rashmi Vyas and those you love and serve? Thank you, Kim. It's very interesting. You know, two years ago, when I did my first podcast interview with you on deserving a seat at the table, the pandemic had just started. At that time, I shared the strategies of willingness to change and investing in self to reinvent oneself. I had mentioned in passing that with the COVID-19 pandemic, we will be needing these skills as our organizations change to adapt to the post-pandemic world. Little did I know how profitic those words would be. Here we are, two years later, the pandemic still out there, organizations changing to adapt to the new normal. And Kim, you and I doing another faculty podcast together. Here, I know it it, is just so it just it is mind blowing when we think, oh, this will blow over two years ago. And here we are two years later. And we are. But here we are. And you and I were just talking, Rashmi, before we started recording, how important it is to pause and reflect. And it sounds a little bit trite. And I guess I might have a little bit of an eye roll if I were listening right now going, well, of course, I'm, I'm thinking all the time I'm reflecting. But to really take a moment and take stock or take inventory of all the changes globally, macro level down to the micro level and getting comfortable with that. And then with gratitude, realizing all you did, all you were, all you accomplished, all you served and all you went through and and everybody out there, the the loss we've we've, um, endured, the everything, but with doing this with gratitude and taking that moment to really reflect on it, I think we're really, I'm hoping like you did with me this morning, shore up our confidence and make us realize, yeah, wow, that was a lot. And here I am, here we are. And so it's, it's in a way, it's one of those kind of, it's exciting to me. So I can't wait for you to get into the, the juicy uh, details today. So, you know, COVID-19 pandemic brought a major change worldwide. 
and what I would focus on one of the changes that it brought about was in the area of online education programs. Mm -hmm. Now, this shift impacted the faculty development programs that I lead. I had to quickly pivot to changing our design and delivery to online format to be relevant and address the current needs of the faculty. Now, this was not easy because our program participants were busy health professionals from all around the world who became even busier on the front lines to manage COVID-19 patients. They were also located in a wider geographic area spanning five continents with varying availability of resources and a 12-hour time difference. So no single time would work well for all. Mm. Now, as I worked with the FAMER team to navigate through these changes, I learned the value of the six behaviors which are listed in Harvard Business Review in 2013 by Hewlett and Marshall, which they say unlocks innovations. One was ensuring that everyone is heard, making it safe to propose novel ideas, giving team members decision-making authority, sharing credit for success, giving actionable feedback and implementing feedback from the team. One noticeable outcome is a greater acceptance of online education Mm -hmm. and enhanced skills in navigating through it. I believe this was partially due to our program's good acceptance because we did pivot in design, offered a way to complete a program they had already enrolled in and eliminated the cost of attending. And of course, across the world, the health profession's education had to catapult into the online world. Overall, this was a plus because now we can offer quality programs to a wider reach. And teamwork was crucial to that success. You are so right, Rashmi. I think we all, all of us, we were forced to. That's a classic example of necessity being the mother of invention, that there was no option. We, we, we all had classes that were scheduled um, in person. We had external speakers coming in. We had hospitality ordered. We had handouts prepared. And then, boom. And there's no way we could make people uh, come in, even if we spread the, the, the chairs out really far. Nobody knew what was happening. So we, mm-hmm. we had to. We were forced. That was a push, a push into a change. And as you said, it ended up being one of the wonderful benefits is that it was so much more efficient and easy for faculty members to participate in our programming because now we were a mouse click away rather than a car ride away or semi several blocks away that they could run to us. So that was the big win. I think I heard from all of our colleagues around North America that enrollments and attendance went way up. So that is a a good feature of that um, going to online. So I totally agree with you. And I'm I'm so curious to see how we play that forward and how these hybrid models and in-person models, how that's going to look in the future. And it's beyond North America because our program is international. It caters to a global population. And this has been seen globally. It does come with its challenges, but that's definitely the plus point that now you are a mouse click away rather than a car or a flight away. Exactly. Rashmi, because you are the expert in in education and medical education, can I pick your brain just a minute here? How do you handle... the interaction component, because, you know, we all know that one of the 
key features of our programming and faculty development is the social networking, is the intermingling, is the socializing. It's the it's the pods of people who hang out after the class is over in the classroom, chit-chatting or in the hallway, in the restroom as they're preparing to run down, you know, down to them to the hospital. And for, I'm speaking, of course, from an extrovert standpoint. And I, I miss that. Yesterday when I was giving a session on habits and, and we send people off to those virtual breakout rooms, I literally was sitting there with my eyes really big and kind of sad. And my program coordinator said, you look sad, Kim. I said, I am sad because I'm used to hearing the noise and the conversations and feeling the energy in the room and and hearing people laughing in their groups. And then a group will be lull or quiet. And so I want to creep over there and kind of. So I I miss all that human social interaction. Please help. Give me some advice, Rashmi. What do you do or what are you seeing? (laughs) How do you mitigate that loss of the personal human connection online? I I don't believe we are able to, you know, <laughs> address that. I mean, you know, get that personal human connection in the online because it is online. However, um, trying to build a community, a professional network, which is our goal uh, in an online forum is a huge challenge. It is challenging because our program, we had this exactly what you're talking about, Kim. We had people coming in with immersion experience. You chit-chat in the hallways, in the restrooms, you know, have lunch together. So that's a huge challenge for us. How do we capture all that and still have a professional network in an online format? It has been challenging. And uh, actually, my um, colleague and mentor, Dr. Paige Morahan, uh, she has an interview coming up with you. She will be going much deeper into that. So I would recommend the listeners to listen to her podcast. Yes, but just to give a couple of examples, what we tried to do is we came up with specific activities to engage our community. Uh, for example, we launched something called an annual famer global forum, which is a virtual three days event and brings the community together uh, to celebrate our community and to discuss, you know, the cutting edge and relevant uh, topics in the health professions, education and workforce development. And similarly, we are making use of technology. We are all, we are getting ready to launch a platform, uh, FEMA Connect, which we believe uh, is a, at a much better level than the earlier platforms that we were using and will engage our community. So we are thinking of uh, now coming up with activities. How do you engage them? How do you keep them interested? So these are some of the things we are doing, making use of technology uh, and uh, learning how to use it to keep on building a strong professional uh, network. Oh, Rashmi, thank you so much. I feel better already because I know that as long as I know that experts are on it and are carving the path for me, I feel a sense of relief because, you know, my, and I'll talk, I can't wait to talk to Paige. She's wonderful as well, but a little, I just have to put this out here before I forget it. I, you know, I, I'm conflicted oftentimes with the chat feature in Zoom because Sometimes when I'm on meetings, you know, you see people get in the chat and they're chatting to each other, which is nice, but then the negative side or they're sharing information and sharing links and resources and and having questions, which is important. So they're engaged. But then I oftentimes wonder, are they paying attention to the speaker or the content or are they too busy talking to each other? 
And so I'm oftentimes like, I want them to be connecting, but maybe not when the speaker is talking, because I want you to be focused on one on the content. It's almost like the old, old days of, you know, children, the teacher is speaking. Do you have something you want to share with the entire class? Why are you two talking back there in the classroom? So that is something I wrestle with. And as you were just talking, Dr. Vigas, I was thinking, I'm not on social media. I don't do Facebook or something, but many times I've been at meetings where I think, oh, I'd love to touch. Rashmi just said something really interesting. Who is she? Where is she from? How can I get in touch with her? And maybe, and that, and that chat has been disabled. So I can't chat to you personally. I end up chatting to everybody. Wouldn't it be nice if we had like a picture frame feature or some drop down menu? <laughs> the possibilities are limitless. We can be as creative as we would like to be. We can be as we can reach out to as many people as we would as we want to. And um, I mean, while there are huge challenges in this move to online and trying to build a professional network online, uh, since we are so used to those uh, random check-ins face to face. But the possibilities are endless and technology has grown in leaps and bounds. And what I found in these past two years is the acceptance, the attitude change has also happened. People are more willing to accept and embrace technology. So that gives us another, okay, the acceptance is slow, it's coming in and people are developing better skills in navigating through these technologies. So the sky is the limit. Okay, thank you. I feel better. But I do remember you asking me uh, to, you know, reflect how it went in my office, personal life, professional life. So what I found, Kim, was that in these uncertain times, one thing that remains constant is change itself. So FEMA, my organization, actually went through significant changes in this last two years. After almost 20 years, FEMA has a new president who led us through strategic planning. This resulted in changes in the organization's vision, mission, strategies. And to better align to the new direction, there was a change in the organizational structure also. And I, like many others, experienced the constancy of change. I made conscious effort to practice reinventing myself through a willingness to change and investing in myself. This is probably part of the reason that I was selected to a new role as a senior associate at FEMA, where I lead the FEMA Global Programs. Now, FEMA Global Programs integrate our partnerships to advance both healthcare education and now additionally workforce uh, development. So I believe some of these strategies did work. So here I am uh, in this new uh, responsibility. But with the new role came, of course, comes a better pay and more responsibilities. And interestingly, two of the 12 habits that uh, Helgreen and Goldsmith uh, challenge women to break in that book, How Women Rise, uh, two of them are overvaluing expertise and avoiding the perfection trap. Oh, I see. Hang on a second. Over, could you say that again? Overvaluing expertise. Correct. I don't know what that is. I don't. Yes. Interesting. So I read up like you. I said, hmm, what does this mean? Overvaluing expertise. I thought, you know, expertise was, could never be overvalued. But what I realized was, however much I like to have expertise in every aspect of my work, I needed the time and space to network and build relationships. That's what they mean. But it's easier said than done because by default, we are 
uh, I mean, uh, many of us are wired to focus on learning every detail and becoming expert in every task. And that was actually very great for the project in hand, but it did not give me the time and space I needed for the program overall. So I had to reinvent. I had to say, okay, you know, I do not probably do not need the expertise in every small detail. Somebody else can do that. And I free up that time to network, to build relationships, which is not only good for my career, but it is part of my job also. You know, that's what we do at Fable. Right, right, right. I also found that I was getting into the trap of trying to be perfect rather than efficient. One has to balance perfectionism, you know, being perfect and being efficient. But it is a constant battle. Uh, My work is leading programs in partnerships and collaborations around the world. I realized the value of leveraging partnerships to develop programs and implement them in different parts of the world. For example, we plan to launch a new program in Africa to promote healthcare, which I have been asked to lead. So what I did was I leveraged partnerships that we already had in the continent because of other programs to collaborate in this new venture. So these are some of the things I'm trying to balance with the, you know, how do you address these additional responsibilities in this era of constant changes and uncertainty? Now, how how did you, Rashmi, how did you ascertain your strengths and your opportunities for growth? And um, how did you find those blind spots about yourself? Like you just talked about this excellence at the expense of efficiency. How did someone bring this to your attention? Did you learn it indirectly? Or did you purposely seek out this kind of deep dive about yourself as you were um, acquiring this new leadership role and as Famer Reorg. How, how did you get to that? I think it's a combination of multiple factors. It includes all the factors that you just listed. I have had great mentors uh, throughout. They point things uh, out to me. We have a good team. And I have, uh, you know, I constantly uh, keep on participating in uh, leadership building uh, I've done a fellowship. I, you know, do all these different workshops. We teach leadership in our programs. So I have to keep updated to what's uh, out there. And I read uh, because, uh, you know, as I said in my last podcast, I have immigrated to the United States in 2014 and I started from bottom. So I have to keep on reinventing myself. So I think it's a combination of uh, all the factors. And, you know, And since you asked me, what also happened was that the major current challenge I found myself is I put my job before my career. Mm -hmm. So uh, to give an example, I have enrolled in a PhD program and I became too busy to move it forward. And I very recently read uh, the book, The Seat by Dr. Shirley Davis, where she talked about why she got a a PhD when she did not necessarily need one. Now, that reminded me of all the reasons why I should try and finish my PhD. And so it's a combination of all this. I read things. I find I look at people who have women who have reached a certain position. And then I actually greatly appreciate the push from my mentors, friends and colleagues who remind me of the pitfall I was getting into. Uh, But I'm aware of it. I haven't solved it completely. 
However, now I'm more mindful of leveraging an activity to two for two goals. So one of them, you know, could move my PhD forward. So coming back to your question, it's a combination of uh, multiple factors, mm -hmm. which helps me to keep on uh, becoming aware of my strengths and my challenges and how to cope with it. Rosa, sometimes I'm successful, sometimes yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I really appreciate your honesty and being so forthright. It's it it's um it, I'm it's a kind of bittersweet for me when I see leaders at your caliber uh, being so honest and admitting that I, hey I'm growing I'm learning I make mistakes all the time I need my tribe my inner circle of people to remind me when I'm going into my in the grip when I'm you know kind of stressed out and acting out and reverting to my 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 hidden um, shadowy side. And then the other, the bitter part of that, so I, I, I appreciate the authenticity and the honesty. And then the, the bitter part of that is that I feel, gosh, you know, um, do, we, uh, do we ever get to a point where we just kind of like content and, and just be at that moment? Because I think there's also then this, this risk of, I'm reflecting on faculty members who come to me for coaching and, and leaders who want to be coached that they never feel like they're enough, that it's constant. I need to constantly be better. And as you mentioned earlier, this being perfect, being perfect, I'm not quite perfect yet. And then once I'm perfect, then what? And then I'm always like, well, well, then what? So I, I really find this whole self-discovery exploration, and I've been doing a lot of that over the past two years, really, really important for all those, for those both those, those reasons that kind of remind people to do that, but also gently nudge people to say well and guess what you're great right now the way you are doesn't mean there's an opportunity for improvement but please don't feel like until you're perfect you're going to matter I mean so that kind of is, is you know I, I wonder about that and then this the second thing is Rashmi what advice would you give to early career faculty members you make career faculty oh, any faculty members why am I putting a rank on it doesn't matter who, as you pointed out during COVID and this pandemic, they are so super busy, busier than ever before in their lives. And now they're listening to us on their drive home after a you know, 12, 16 hour shift and they got to go home and write that paper. And by the way, they do have a you know babies and, and, a, and, a, and a husband sitting at home and and they got to get that grant application and they're on the this committee and that committee. And now we're saying, and now you have to read all these books and do the self-exploration and you need to journal and you need to meditate, you need to be, be mindful and stretch and exercise. I mean, how do you, how do we, um, how do we deal with that? The person going, give me a break. I have to do that now too, on top of everything else. <laughs> I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. I'm still struggling with that. But coming back to your first one about perfect, perfectionism, that's, I, I think that's very subjective. What is perfect? Right? Mm -hmm. I think once we um, embrace the uncertainty of perfection, it makes it easier. Because I'm also like that. I want to be perfect in everything I do. But as the responsibilities grow, and as you just now said, in the pandemic, people have become even more busy, uh, moving to online uh, work from home for many. Somehow those boundaries have been blurred between right. office and work. So there are a lot of challenges. And uh, I am slowly learning to embrace 
or to understand that perfection is very fluid mm. it does not mean the same thing to everybody and from every perspective it, 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 it's kind of a it's little subtle but i'm trying to get that i'm trying to let go of my definition of perfection and the other thing i have is i continue to have the support of great mentors i feel that is uh, no age uh, i think everybody irrespective of their age stage in life or where they are in their careers need mentors as you said you know that inner circle we need our uh, uh, support and i and i think i and i believe i am a mentor and support to many others just as i have my mentors mm. so i continue to have this great support as i navigate through the challenges that came with the organizational changes compounded by the pandemic and you asked me what suggestions i have as i said i'm trying to redefine whatever i ever believed perfection meant and my other key learnings have been uh, value teamwork reinvent myself avoid being a perfectionist and leverage partnerships and over and above all i'm learning to embrace change because change is here to stay oh rashmi you are so it's so refreshing to me thank you so much for that reminder and when you were just talking about perfection being fluid that really kind of gave me pause and i wrote that down perfection is fluid meaning that it's not back to the kind of the trite saying it's not a destination you're not going to reach it and go yes and even if you're like yes i got it it's just for that moment in time and then boom dolls and you're imperfect as you trip across the the sidewalk and it makes me think of my my hairstylist who you know i have a very very special relationship with my hairstylist but every time she's done um trimming my hair we do the color and the highlights and the whole you know the whole ordeal and at the end when she's trimming and then fluffing and poofing and looking and inspecting then I'll see her take a a little handful of hair here or there or there brings it up twists it around her finger and takes the scissors and does something weird and I'm like what are you doing what are you doing she said we have to be perfectly imperfect and I was just like don't you dare mess with that i just watched you make straight cuts with straight edges and now you're messing with it sporadically grabbing little wads of hair in your pocket perfect and i it drives me nuts until i finally finally wrap my perfectly imperfect head of hair around that concept that i would leave the salon i'm like is that a refrigerator magnet i am perfectly imperfect if not it should be because it's a good reminder we are all perfectly imperfect right and exactly and change is here to stay okay we are not going you can't avoid it you know change is it changes it's kind of reminds me of the world health organization definition of health is they say the, it's more than just the absence of illness it's complete you know total emotional social spiritual physical um wellness it's not just not being sick and change absence of change is almost like um han selyo taught us about stress absence of stress is death absence of change is death if, if things aren't changing anymore it's because you're not here anymore and you you are ceasing to exist in this life form on this planet so it's always going to be there you're right so 
get comfortable with being imperfect and embracing the change and looking to the change and saying, yeah, bring it, bring on the change. I'm ready. So Dr. Rashmi VS, it's been so fun. I'm learning from you. Thank you so much for sharing these important pointers and this book. I've never heard of the seat. I'm going to check that out. Um, How women rise. That's the name of that. That's a, that's a classic one we use in our women's leadership programs. You, you are so right. Change is here to stay. Folks, you've been learning and hopefully appreciating Dr. Rashmi Vias, as have I, from FAMER, the Foundation for Advancement of International Medical Education and Research. Rashmi, thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. The pleasure is all mine. See you next time on the Faculty Factory Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.